まだ誰も知らないフィクションを込めていく名もない物語を開け Hello and welcome to the NRD Network or NRD Works Seasonal Anime Podcast. This is your host Matt from our other anime or our other anime podcast, Twenty Six and Under. Joined with me is my good friend Patrick. Hey, what's going on, guys? And we're here to talk about the. We're here to finally talk about the Fall Twenty Eighteen Seasonal Anime Podcast.、Uh, Patrick. Uh, you've you've not been on Twenty Six and Under, so what's your background into anime? Like, how much anime do you consume? What is your、uh, knowledge base? So I got into anime at a pretty early age.、Um, I'm a '90s baby, so、uh, shows like Cowboy Bebop and Trigun were kind of my gateway drug into the genre, along with movies like Princess Mononoke.、Um, I really got into it again in the early to mid two thousands during the Fooly Cooly Samurai Champloo era, and then I kind of drifted away from it for a little bit. But then I really got into it again around the time that shows like Attack on Titan and Kill la Kill came back out. In fact, Kill la Kill was really kind of the show that <laughs> dragged me back into being an anime fan, and I have you to thank for that. Yeah, it's also the show that we met through. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No. <laughs> Anime brings people together, man. What can I say? Um, and then everybody knows me if you've listened to the Twenty Six Hundred podcast. But if you haven't, this is your first time listening to us. Um, I've been watching anime for way too long in my life. I think I am twenty six years old. I have been watching anime for about twenty years. So, uh, I've got a lot. I've got a long list of like anime I've watched. I think my first anime that I ever watched was either Record of Lodos War. Or Tenchi Muyo, one of the two.、Nice. My brother will attest to. I was three years old watching Ronin Warriors with him, and I'll be like, "Sure, buddy, I don't remember that." So, oh man, Ronin Warriors! I remember watching that in like, God, <laughs> aging, aging myself here. Yeah,、um, yeah, yeah. Old Taku in the house here, kids.、Uh, I remember watching that in like. Ninety six on like UHF TV, like when it first came over, and it was and it was Ronin Warriors, not Samurai Troopers, and you know, and it it definitely had like you know those nineties anime tropes, you know, questionable dubbing and things yeah, like yeah, yeah. that. But it was just such a fun show, and it was so radically different from what was on, you know. Regular weekday cartoon TV, so it was something that really stood out to me as a kid. And you know, honestly, Sailor Moon was the same way for me as a kid. I remember, you know, being like in fifth grade and seeing Sailor Moon being advertised on Fox Kids and being like, "What is this? This is totally outside the box from what I normally see." You in fifth grade? Me still? Me still very very little. Little <laughs>、uh, twinkle in God's eye. Yeah. Back then. <laughs> uh. So. Enough talking about the old anime. Let's talk about the new. Or well, I guess we're gonna still talk about some old anime. We're gonna talk about what we watched in the last season, and we're gonna start first with Patrick, who、uh, we've got first on here. Banana fish for you. Yeah. So this was one I was really, really excited to check out when I first heard that they were bringing it into、uh, into anime. So Banana Fish is actually an older property.、Um, the original manga series was actually from 1985, and it ran for nine years until 
um, but it didn't get adapted into a uh, into an anime until now, and it's it's interesting in that it's while it definitely is a product of its time, it has that very gritty sort of '80s anime feel. Um, it's been updated in certain ways that for the anime that makes sense, and it's a really fascinating show. Um, it takes place in New York City, and it's about this uh, teenage crime lord named Ash who ends up in a uh, situation where he's on the run, and it involves um, this uh, it involves this drug called banana fish that um, it was originally Vietnam in the original setting, but they updated to the Second Gulf War for the anime, um, and it's a really cool show in the sense that. Um, it has this sort of, you know, again, kind of a throwback feel to it, not just in the way the characters are done, but also in the animation style. If you're a fan of that, like, kind of gritty crime drama 80s era of anime, I think it's one that people would definitely like. It also has, um, I think I think a lot of people may have written it off early on because of some of the yaoi overtones. But I actually, if anything, I thought that it really worked for the series, and it made total sense for the characters in it. So I know Banana Fish only through its. I I haven't. I never. Wa- I didn't watch it because I'm not a big uh, shoujo fan. I've heard though that it's one of those ones where even if you're not a shoujo fan, it's really good. It's like one of those long, long time classics. Um, it's just I I I was he- I'm hesitant to watch stuff like that just because I don't. It doesn't really fit my tastes. Um, Yuri on Ice was the same way with me. And anybody that watches 26 and under, uh, go watch episode 10. And you'll see how I flipped from, oh, no, it's Yuri on Ice to I love Yuri on Ice. Um, I would argue that Banana Fish is a shoujo for people who don't like shoujo in a weird way. Because it's funny because when I first heard it was categorized as a shoujo manga, I was a little surprised because it didn't really feel that way to me. But then the more I thought about it, the more I realized that, you know, the way shoujo does go more in-depth with characters and um, certain certain aspects and certain tropes in that genre, it does certainly fit into that. But um, I think that – I think there's definitely a certain stigma that comes with the title. You know, it's almost like with Shonen where I've had times where I've told people, oh, hey, there's this really cool Shonen series I like. And they'll be like, oh, Shonen? Yeah. Yeah, they'll just I think – I only watch Sinan, sir. They'll think like Naruto or One Piece and not think like – other things that we'll talk about later on when we get to the new season. But um it's it's an interesting thing for me. Like I and I like some shojos. Like I like DN Angel. I like uh of course I like Sailor Moon. But like it's just one of the and I found actually we've we've hit a few shojos in the podcast so far and they've all and they all don't feel like shojos or like what I'm used to attributing shojos to. But they all fall apart near the end. I almost, I would almost categorize uh, shows like Banana Fish almost less as sh- less as a shoujo show, almost more like a Jose show, which is kind of like the female equivalent of a Sinan show because of just the heavier subject matter and content. Yeah. Um, I mean, there's a there's and there's actually a lot of really cool stories in that subgenre that I don't think have necessarily gotten the anime treatment, maybe because they felt there wasn't the demand there, but that I would certainly be interested in seeing more of this type of content. All right. Uh, and now let's move from the fun that is talking about a shoujo anime it, from, that feels very 80s to Matt talking about one of his favorite animes of this season, Planet With. Planet With is a is Gurren Logan on, uh, t- on Fast Forward. It is amazing. 
holy shit every episode is well done so the basic premise of uh planet with is uh we start with a character who seems to have amnesia um who is living with this giant purple cat and this maid who the giant purple cat eats cabbage and then uh and when he's at school all of a sudden this weird giant robe kaiju monster that floats in the air and looks like a baby with like peas written on its forehead or something just shows up and then this super sentai group just summons their giant robots that are all like zodiac based fly over there one of them goes into the thing experiences like a euphoric dream and has to fight it and then and then destroys the giant uh, enemy and then the main character gets told now go beat that guy up and then he does it and then he takes the guy's thing and then there's this whole revenge plot that's going through this and we find out he's just been acting like he has amnesia and this show just gets weirder from there like it doesn't stop at a like so we think okay so we're gonna watch him beat all these different people and like there it's gonna be an episode per person and then all of a sudden it like episode two ends and he beats another person and then everybody surrounds him and he's like and he's like in a dastardly situation and then if i were to tell you by the end of this he fights a dragon in space through like it is it is so good one thing i found kind of interesting about the premise too um now i've only watched the first couple of episodes so I still need to catch up on this one, but yeah. I was definitely intrigued. One thing I found interesting was, you know, you would assume from an outsider perspective that he's going to be fighting these creatures that are showing up, and he's actually fighting the people that are supposed to be fighting the creatures, which I found kind of an interesting premise, and a uh, interesting twist. Yeah, and but and they still explain like they are they don't want those creatures to go through. So like in the second or third episode, we kind of get a little bit of a plot dump where they explain exactly what is going on, and he is not part of the ceiling faction, which is releasing those creatures. He is part of the um pacifist faction which is just trying to just pacify the 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 earth and make sure that they're not going to go crazy evil like the dragon did and everything like that and that's it's really really cool and really good i don't want to get into like massive spoiler territory about this just in case you haven't watched it because it is amazing and like the only problem i think a lot of people have is that the mech fights are cg animated so like it's it's anime CG it doesn't flow super well but it's so well written and so well done and it's just conclusive 12 episodes like it doesn't even leave off with we could go on it doesn't leave off with join us in season two it's just like done I kind of prefer stories like that nowadays I like when someone can tell me a good story in 12 or 24 episodes I mean don't get me wrong there are certain stories that need more time which some of those are shows we'll get to later. But at the same time, you know, you don't necessarily need to drag something out, especially when you've got a genre that's that unique and a story that unique, I yeah. think. All right. So, Patrick, tell me about Happy Sugar Life because I didn't watch it at all and I've only heard things. Oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> um, trying to come up with the most, uh, I guess, trying to come up with the most charitable way of describing this. This show is fucked up. Okay. Um, 
And I don't mean that as an insult. It's actually a very, very good show. It's more than likely going to end up in my top 10. It might even end up in my top five for the year, but Jesus Christ. <laughs> I mean, I know you and you. And the second I heard what this series was about, where it was Yandere's and like crate and like fucked up stuff like that i was like oh patrick's gonna fucking love this show <laughs> yeah that's one thing you guys will definitely learn about me pretty quickly if it involves yandere or psychological horror i am signed up so this one is also based on a really awesome horror manga and i it's one of those shows where i watched the first two episodes and was so intrigued that i binged the entire manga the same night because i was like i have to know where this is going i love stuff like parasite <laughs> That's what I did with Parasite. Yeah, exactly. Like you, sometimes you just get hooked where you get that first episode and you're like, I really don't want to wait a fucking week to know what's going to happen next. I got to get on this now. But um, Happy Sugar Life, if you haven't seen it yet, is about this high school girl who, from outside, from an outside you know perspective, looks like a normal girl. You know, she's attractive, she's happy, she's extremely popular in her school, especially with boys. But she, after a while of being some, having a reputation of being somewhat promiscuous, she basically starts telling people she's finally found who she truly loves. The problem is who she truly loves is an underage kid that she may or may not have kidnapped. And um, uh, as they say, the thick plottens pretty quickly. Y yeah. Um, <laughs> and... Um, yeah, it's kind of one of those shows where you find yourself over the course of each episode saying, no, they're not going to go there. They're not going to. Oh, my God, they're going there. Ugh. I mean, the first episode alone, by the end of it, I was just kind of staring at the screen like, um, th did this just happen? <laughs> um, but it's definitely one where, again, you know, it's one of those shows, too, where I don't want to spoil too much. But if you like psychological horror and you like shows that keep you guessing... It's definitely one that I recommend. Um, you can find it on uh, Amazon Prime Video. And I got to say that even post-anime strike not working out, which the anime strike format had its flaws. I mean, I think trying to, you know, gatekeep by charging an extra $5 was a little ludicrous. But I will say that in terms of the actual con anime content that Amazon's getting, I find more shows on Prime that I like most of the time than even like on Crunchyroll or Funimation some seasons. As I just realized, both your shows are Amazon Prime shows and most of my shows are Crunchyroll shows. Yeah, I mean, nothing wrong with that. Yeah. Uh, so moving, uh, I just realized that we didn't state what Banana Fish and Planet with reviewable. So Banana Fish, as I pointed out, was also on Amazon Prime and Planet With is on Crunchyroll. Uh, it did not get a simul dub by Funimation, but that might have that might be because of the uh, stuff that happened between Funimation and Crunchyroll in the last weeks. Yeah, it's like it's like uh, mommy just slapped daddy at the dinner table, and we just want someone to pass the green beans. I, is what it I feels just, like. <laughs> I just wanted Verve to have all three. Like VRV was about to have all the anime, and then it didn't. We're not allowed to have nice things. We're I'm, nerds. <laughs> I'm not allowed to just pay one subscription for all my anime. Uh, but back to the back to fun stuff. So Hanabato is a badminton anime. It is a very I I like sports anime when they are done well, and Hanabato was done well for me. I've heard a lot of criticism saying they didn't like it because of characters not seeming to make sense. Um, they didn't like this or that. It looks gorgeous. I love the characters. I love the main character entirely, even though she's a fucking asshole. She is hilariously. Uh, I guess I'm I'm weird. So I've I talked to one of my friends over uh, the week, 
and he brought up that I just like characters who are generally assholes to everyone. And I'm like, but they're fun because they're not just like, oh, we'll be friends. No, I want to win and you're going to lose. Like, I love that. And in sports, you you kind of have to have that killer instinct and that mentality, even in high school sports. I mean, you know, and the funny thing with that show was, I fully admit, I, I went into that show completely cold. Yeah. I went into it thinking, oh, cool, you know, cute girls being cute sports anime. Nope. <laughs> Within five minutes of the first episode, I was like, oh, shit. Oh, and the... I'm still going to point out it has one of it has I think my favorite opening of the last season and it has the best animation of last season by far. Oh, the animation was absolutely <laughs> stunning. I mean, it, it's funny when you in a, in a especially in an era of anime now where you know you got so many and admittedly a lot of it I'm sure is due to budget constraints and things like that. I mean, anime is very expensive to produce. But, you know, when you'll flip through different shows and you're seeing, you know, okay, here's, you know, CGI battle here, CGI battle there. And some of it looks like, you know, graphics off of like, you know, a PS2 game versus, you know, these scenes of, you know, the actual badminton games where everything, it looks like everything is just hand drawn and it has this amazing feel to it. And it just, it creates this level of intensity to the show. Just to point out how much time they spent on this show. Three months to make the OP. Wow. It took three months to make that OP. And you can tell the amount of, like, it is so mind-blowingly well done. I loved it so much. Um, Like, it's hard. Like, the story is just a normal sports anime story. It goes through a tournament where they go, or they introduce all the characters. Then we go through a tournament. And then it it actually ends with the confrontation between two members of the same club instead of it being, like, two rival schools coming together. And we don't even end at the actual finals of the the inter-high. We end with these two clashing, and then it ends on the season. And I'm like... I could see this going for a season two, or I could see this just being it. I'm really hoping they do get a season two. Um, I still have to finish the season, and once I do, I'm definitely planning on picking up the manga because I'm hooked. Oh, it's I love I loved it. I don't know how the manga's art compares to the anime, but like it just was super super good for me. And moving on from high school to college, like everyone does, I'm now going to talk about Grand Blue Dreaming, which is my favorite anime. Oh my god, I love Drunken Debauchery so much. Like, I I finished the anime and just went straight into the manga and reread all of the anime just because I wanted to and read the manga. And it's, I can't believe how well an anime adapts a comedy manga. Like, it literally feels like every time I see the panels, it's like that's when it somehow emulates the comedy of the panels in the to the TV screen. So for those that don't know, before because I'm just gushing about this show, Grand Blue Dreaming is about a uh, college age Japanese uh, dude that comes from a that's coming from an all boys high school to move in with his uncle and his two cousins in their diving shop and go to college there. He is then roped into joining a uh, joining Peekaboo, the scuba diving uh, club, where he doesn't know how to swim, but he's still joining the club anyways. And he is roped into it because it is actually more of a club of drunken debauchery than it is actually diving. And most of this show is about drunken debauchery and stupid college hijinks than it is about, as I said, 
scuba diving, which it is called a scuba diving anime. But And the best part that I found out really late on into the series is it's by Baka and Test Rider. So that's why I love it so much, because he writes stupid characters so well. And comedy is so hard to do effectively. I mean, really in any medium, comedy is hard, but I think especially in anime it can be really difficult because certain jokes aren't going to translate from one culture to another. And, you know, there are certain things that are culturally acceptable in certain areas that aren't acceptable in others. So, you know, it's really hard to find that balance. But from what I've seen of this show, it seems like they really hit it out of the park. They make a joke out of the EDs. All... uh 10 out of the EDs are setting up for the 11th episode's ED to be a joke. <laughs> it is fucking glorious. That is great. We we were I so I watched this with my co-hosts of 26 and under weekly. We watched this weekly because we all loved it. And like we I had everybody in and I had watched that episode first and I was like guys, you need to watch this ED. This is the culmination of all the EDs. And they watched it and it was just like they all just died. Like, they were all on the ground like, is this really it? Are they doing this? I was like, <laughs> this was the entire point. And there's a reason why. So, the ED, in general, is like one of my favorite EDs. Because it's the two the, the two best friends. Our Yuji and our... Um, fuck, I can't remember his name. But our two main characters... Our, our main character and his best friend. Going into karaoke with the two seniors. And singing a karaoke song. Which is the ED. And first of all, by my favorite, composed by my favorite anime composers, Elements Gardens, which we'll talk about more next season when fucking Symphon Gear Five comes out. Oh shit, son! But um, also it is there is a reason that they had to make sure that both their main characters could sing, and it's something that comes up in the manga later on, just in case this gets a season two. It is glorious. I am so excited. I want this to just keep going. I want more seasons of this. This is... Uh, I, they don't even get to my favorite jokes yet. Like, I've read the manga, and I was like, I was like, oh, this joke can't be surpassed. And then the manga go, the manga introduces a character, and the jokes are just so good. <laughs> oh, my God. You want to watch people doing, um, doing a, a drop test where you have to have it stop right before it hits your junk? <laughs> that that is a thing that they do oh god and then the and then and they're and it's because their teacher is an, is the antagonist of this entire arc and so to get to get on him he's like oh i know the exact way to this i know the exact calculation set it to this degree and they do but what he doesn't see is they tied this little extra weight on so that weight hits him in the groin go and then it and it flips to him just drawing a right like writing equation on this thing is like and this is why it felt like i got hit by 400 kilos of this hitting my groin at 50 miles per hour <laughs> <laughs> and he's like on the ground dying and i'm just like this anime is fucking perfect i mean i feel like there's certain things that are just universally funny i mean you know Seeing someone get hit in the balls is funny in just about any culture. So it is, <laughs> it is. But Especially like when they're getting hit in the balls for science. <laughs> well, but like it wasn't actually for science. It was just him going. You guys don't pay attention to my class. I'm going to make you guys pay attention to my class by making you do this stupid thing to hit, make you guys hurt each other. <laughs> because fuck you, I hate you all. That's that that's always like reasoning. System. <laughs> yeah, that's always reasoning because he's an adjunct pr professor. 
Like he's trying to get his tenure. That's all it is. And he's like, he's like this close to getting his tenure. And he's just like, nah, I'm just going to, I'm just going to do whatever the fuck I want now. It's so good. Uh, so off of the, off of a fun comedy and onto something we both watched cells at work. Yeah, this was a fun one. Oh my god, I love Cells at Work. Cells at Work by David Productions is a anime adaptation of a manga that is just a educa- it's just an educational manga about how your body works, but they anth- anthropomorphize all of your cells into people. It is really good. Yeah, I caught the uh, <laughs> premiere of it at Anime Expo this year and I mean I don't think I've ever laughed so hard at the pilot episode of a show in a long time. I mean, like the entire the entire room was packed to the gills, and we were all just dying. It, it, just the just the way just the line delivery was great. Um, the pacing was awesome. The animation is 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 cartoony, but it's fun. And just the the whole way that like they imagine the inner workings of the body, you know, and the way they did it was fun. I mean. I think some people may have written the show off early on because like, oh, it's like Osmosis Jones. I'm like, no, this is like Osmosis Jones as if Osmosis Jones was good. This is Osmosis Jones if we didn't have fart jokes every five minutes. Yeah, exactly. Osmosis Jones basically spent most of its time being gross and maybe a tenth of the time being funny. This show is just focused on being funny. Well, and it's weird, too, because there are certain... There were certain times on the show where it not only got funny, but it actually would get legitimately scary or legitimately intense, and that made it great. Okay, I was about to say, we don't say just funny because the cancer episode happened, and that was super good. Well written. That was such a polarizing episode for so many people. I mean, here's the thing, like... I remember like reading reviews of it that were like, oh, well, this is so misguided, you know, you know, trying to act sympathetic towards cancer, you know, this and that. And I'm just going to say this right now. I'm a cancer survivor. Yeah. I had leukemia. Yeah. My dad died of skin cancer. My mom's had breast cancer. I thought this was the best written episode of the entire season. Well, I mean, it is because it it adapts cancer and how your body deals with the cancer cells because it's the cancer cells are cells of your body that are just different. And it's weird because like you think of it and you think cancer is just this bad thing and you think it's like a disease, but it's actually your body just having alterations to it like it's not it's a different thing to your body and your body is not used to it so your body fights it and does this stuff and that's the and that's the thing that makes this episode so good by the way this is also an anime that i think everybody can watch like absolutely this is a show you this is this is one of those interesting shows in the sense that you know it's it's honestly a show you could watch with your kids and it's funny because i have a lot of friends who are you know are old takus like me who maybe have gotten aren't as into anime as they used to, so they might watch like one new show a season. It's usually like a show that's gotten like a dub on Netflix, which is fine. Yeah. But you know, I'll usually about once or twice a year, someone will be like, "Hey, man, do you know any good anime that I could like show my kids?" And you know, the thing is, you know, obviously, you know, everybody's parenting style is different, but that's one of those shows that I could say to someone, "Look, you know, you could show this show to a kid, and they're going to be entertained. You could show the show to an adult, and they're going to be entertained. You could show the show to really anyone of any age, and they're not only going to be entertained, but they're going to be informed. And I think that's awesome. I am waiting for this to get its English dub so I can take this over to my niece, my grand, my parents, and have my nieces watch it because my mom will love this show. My mom is a biochemist, and she and like I've I try not to like she she also runs her anime club because. Because her uh, anime club people came up to her and was like, hey, do you want to run it? And she's like, sure. And then she realized, 
wait, my son is super into anime and I just did this. I guess and so she so so like and I find out my nieces are all watching Fairy Tale. They all watched uh uh my uh little witch Ac- academia which was I love that show. that that was something that i was always that i'm proponent of everybody should watch absolutely no matter what age you are it is perfect um that, my that show has the unique uh one of the unique uh, it's one of the it's one of the few anime that i've ever like been watching in my living room and like my mom came home and she was like oh what are you watching i'm like oh i'm watching little witch academia and she literally just kind of was like oh this looks cute and literally like just ended up binging the entire show with me just because she was just sucked in yeah and it's it's really nice and like when i hear when i hear from my mom because there was the there was the break in netflix where they only had the first half and not the second half she's like is there more and i'm like yes you just have to wait for netflix to get off their asses <laughs> like it is my biggest problem with netflix oh that's something that i that's what's not on the i'll be t- we'll talk about that speaking of netflix we'll talk about that once we finish talking about styles at work oh shit sneeze Never mind. We do it live. Yeah. Uh. So, back to cells at work. Not talking about all that. We'll talk about that. We'll talk about my Netflix feelings when we talk about this other one that I watched on Netflix. Um. That's not on the list. So cells at work. Great. I loved it. Um. Again, that was another one that me and my podcast crew all watched as it was weekly, and like everybody enjoyed it. I enjoyed the two episodes that weren't focused on red blood cell and white blood cell choosing to change the 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 op singers to macrophage and killer t-cell because that was a really good thing because that's who they were focused on yeah that was fantastic and also macrophage is best cell we'll we'll agree to disagree as i love red blood cell waifu wars i mean we'll get into real right waifu wars later like at the very last thing on the list because it starts with a z and i'm pretty sure we're both opposed in this <laughs> um so now talking about because we brought up netflix and everything let me talk about one that i forgot to put on this list which is uh dragon pilot hisune and Mak- uh, matochin which is a netflix anime that came out it technically was airing two seasons ago or one season ago whatever it was but it came out literally uh right at the en- right at the tail end of this season it is about a air uh, a S, uh air SDF pilot or pilot yeah who it who ends up being put into a dragon as her thing and uh or as what she pilots uh the pilot's name is Masuchin and she is uh Miko Mikochi is that the uh, one of them is one of the words the other one is the other name in the uh, in the title is really cute really well done if you want to watch a character get into a dragon by being literally eaten by the dragon to pilot it it is hilarious um it is so cute and well done and bones did an excellent job at animating this and i love it so much it's such a it, it's one of those ones that I think this is one of this is an anime that I could show my nieces like if my parents have not shown them this yet I might uh, during Thanksgiving go down there and be like hey you guys can watch football let me uh cordon this section of the living room and br- and like put my phone up and see if the nieces want to watch some uh dragon pilot with me because I loved it it was so well not- it was so well done um, the story takes a really interesting turn and you watch it 
it does this weird thing with love where the the characters if they fall in love they start to lose synchronization with their dragons because they of course have more than one character with a dragon but like it you watch character you watch like the the mustache twirling villain-esque characters just going we can't have them falling in love quick you i want you to make her fall in love with you and then break up with her and it's so weird because that like and and they have to do it because they're a part of the military and it's like military protocol. But then but then it's like it comes out that that was what was going on and like all the characters are fine and the characters come up with it and they make up and like the pairings still get to be together and I'm super happy. There was a character who literally I thought was like the worst character ever because she seemed to be mistreating her dragon and then it just turns out that she was just acting that way she didn't actually want to mistreat her she wasn't mistreating her dragon at all she was just she loved her dragon she gave it her her, its own name and all this stuff and it was like i just loved this series it's so well written all the characters are so well done i think this one really flew under a lot of people's radar too even though it's on netflix i mean you're honestly the first person i've heard really hyping this show up well that's the problem is because netflix doesn't doesn't really advertise their stuff and it wasn't on any simulcasting service so the only way you could watch it until this until it came onto netflix was just illegally yeah, I think a lot of the challenges, um, I think the biggest challenge that Netflix and Amazon have is on the one hand, you know, Netflix and Amazon are mainstream services. They're not niche services the way that a service like Crunchyroll, as big as Crunchyroll is, really is now. Yeah. Because, you know, people who subscribe to Crunchyroll are people who live and breathe anime. People who subscribe to Netflix, everyone subscribes to Netflix. So I think that, you know, on the one hand, it's like they're picking great shows. I mean, I have the Netflix animes that I've watched or the Netflix licensed animes that I've watched in the last couple of years, I've really enjoyed. But I think that the challenge is, you know, you're trying to sell a niche product to a mainstream audience. And I think that unless you're really aggressively marketing it that way, it's really hard to do. I think personally what they should do to fix this issue is put their stuff subbed on Crunchyroll simul- simul- simulcast and then when it comes to the time where they can put their dub out just put it out on your service I think that's more than fair I mean that's essentially what happened with the seven deadly sins and I thought it worked out great I and that but it did but they didn't do that with season two they did not do that with season two and that's they'd worked out because the, they'd worked out the deal after the yeah. first season to come out and and that's the problem though is like I think Netflix needs to take it back and go hey not we have we can have the dub they can have the sub they should do what Funimation and uh, Crunchyroll were doing up until a point up until Sony bought them out and forced them into this situation and I hate to say it but this is exactly why I still buy physical copies of anime whenever I can because at the end of the day I don't want to lose access to shows that I enjoy because of you know corporate dick waving between a bunch of different companies I mean. You know, it's one of those things where, you know, yeah, streaming's convenient, but, you know, this whole idea that I could lose my entire library of shows that I like because of licensing BS. I mean, you have shows like the original Neon Genesis Evangelion that are still not on Crunchyroll or Netflix or Amazon, which I'm like, why? Because like, Japan. People, people would buy that. No, it's not anything to do with us. It's because of how Japan is treating it. So... For Ava, in particular, the reason why we don't get Ava in America anymore is because the original rights holders don't exist anymore, and 
the Japanese uh the Japanese company that now owns it because Gainax is gone. The ne- the new holders of it do not care about the American market and do not want to put it over here because then because so they sell that shit at a premium at uh uh in Japan because Ava sells in Japan. Like they have like a thousand dollar box set for Ava. Wow. That's a limited quantity thing. And like they and like that's like they keep doing this with Ava. They if they put it over to America and there's a easy accessible way to and it's actually cheaper to import it from America to Japan that will hurt their sales and that's the problem that's why we will never see Ava unless some miracle happens come back to America except for, except for, through through the movies gotcha um but now talking about some series that are still continuing on i've realized that banana fish is actually still continuing on and i just accidentally put it up there because patrick had very few things to talk about from last season from when we had built this list of things to talk about so i decided to put that up there at the beginning we're now going to talk about things that are continuing on or stuff that is starting a new season so take away patrick with attack on titan 3 because i personally started reading the manga on one and i got up to the point where two ended and i was done with the manga because the manga moves too slow for me so i am probably in the minority on this but I actually have not read the manga for Attack on Titan at all. My experience with Attack on Titan is strictly with the anime itself. And in all honesty, having looked at the art for the manga, it's I kind of don't really feel like I'm missing too much. It seems like a really faithful adaptation of the story, but the show is so beautifully animated. Oh, yeah. And so it's never really, I never really felt like I was missing anything. Um, now, with Attack on Titan Season 3, it's interesting because... You know, I really enjoyed the first season. It was definitely one of my, it's arguably one of my favorite anime of all time. The second season, I actually enjoyed even more because the direction of the story changed. It went from being an action-adventure series to really, in a lot of ways, I felt the second season in some areas was just pure horror. Like, it was much darker, much more intense. There was much more of a sense of we really don't know what the hell we're doing right now, who the enemy really is, and it was very, very terrifying. It felt more like, it felt more adult, for lack of a better term. The third season is interesting as well because the third season involves the Titans a lot less. It really involves human corruption and it involves a lot of government intrigue and a full-on coup. And... I think that for some people that may have been a little bit disappointing because they wanted more action. But for me, I thought it actually served the story really well. And it's definitely in my top 10 for the year. So this is the part that everybody was telling me was where I would love it. And I just never, I couldn't get past. So there it's the forest in season two. That's that section in season two in the manga goes on way too long is boring and has and just made me and just made me quit. See, and that's the thing with the with the anime. The, se- the segment in the forest, two episodes. I might just go watch the anime. Then I would I would highly recommend it. If the pacing of the manga was an issue for you, I think you'll enjoy the second season of the anime okay. a lot more. That's- just for the simple fact that they they definitely trim the fat there. 
Uh, I mean, I didn't hear any complaints from any hardcore AOT fans about that. Well, yeah, and I know that uh, Attack on Titan has gone on break till next year because they want to make sure that they have the entire crew on because they were they only had half the animators for the first half of this, and they decided that they were stressing out their animators enough so that they dis- that they wanted to go on break and finish it out. And the irony is, you really can't tell that people were that they were working with a skeleton crew because some of the scenes in this there's a particular sequence and if you've seen the season you guys will know exactly what i'm talking about there's a chase sequence involving levi that looks like almost like it's almost like the animated equivalent of like filming a live action sequence in one take and it is just mind-blowing well and that's their that's their modus operandi like you if you've watched ancient ancient magus bride or anything like that they always just pour so much detail into their animations that it's crazy and it's amazing but like i agree like i agree with them to take a break because they are working on a movie they want to make sure the movie gets finished first so if they're going to they don't want and they don't want to like overwork their animators because if japan knows if japan's good known for one thing it's overworking people in general <laughs> one thing i will also say about attack on titan season three is I feel like a lot of Attack on Titan fans kind of fall into two categories. Those who care most about the big three, uh, and then those who care about a lot of the secondary characters like Levi and Hanji. If you are a Levi and Hanji fan, you are going to fucking love this season. Wait, Levi's not part of the big three? I'm confused now. <laughs> well, see, that's the thing. You got There are fans who basically care Who likes about- Armin? Who? Who well, likes- I like Armin? <laughs> Okay, I was about to say, like, I thought the three best, most popular characters from this show were Mikasa, Levi, and then, I don't know, Aaron, I guess, because he's the main character, I guess. Yeah, I mean, when I say the big three, I mean Aaron, Mikasa, and Armin, obviously, but at the same time... Okay, primary know, three. Yeah, the, the, the primary three, let's okay. put it that way. Yeah, so, you know, you have, you have a lot of fans where those three characters are really still the heart of the story for them, and I totally get it. And the thing is, at the end of the day, those three characters are going to end up remaining the heart of the story. Um, at the same time, you have characters like Levi and Commander Irwin and Hanji who have really gotten more screen time in the last two seasons, really to the benefit of the show, I think. Oh, we got to watch Irwin get his arm chopped off and then him kill that fucking Titan, right? That was the most badass fucking thing in that thing. I, I, I straight up like... Like that was like one of those like manly tears moments for me. My, my favorite part of the manga was reading was reading you go go tell them about this and then the guy gets eaten and he's like fuck and then his arm gets bit off and he just fucking goes ham on the dude i'm like fucking yeah it was like he's like yeah i'm like bro your arm is gone this guy's fuck like because they never showed him being a badass and then all of a sudden he does that one badass thing i'm like nope he's now my favorite he's now he's now on the list of good characters in this series because he just badass he just did this badass shit, and I bet it's better. And it's it better. It better be like super well animated. Oh, the, the animation anime. on that sequence is stunning. All um, right. One thing also with season. Last thing I'll say on season three too is one thing that I did hear from a few people about season two that they didn't like. And again, you know, this went in with the darker tone. Was I think some people felt like there was a little bit of an absence of humor in the second season. That does come back this season, but. They, they, they managed to find the right balance. One of my major pet peeves with anime, and this is a reason why I've had issues. This, is, this, is this was one of my major issues with certain shows, uh, Black Butler being a perfect example, okay. Hunting Ultimate being an example, oh, is I when like- they have like these really jarring, there'll be like these really jarring points between like something really dark and brutal happening, and then like 
really goofy humor that kind of just seems like it comes out of nowhere where you're like, wait, what? Why? I mean, I really like the housing goofy humor. <laughs> like enough. my my I just I don't care that it's like super dark and all of a sudden silly cartoon drawing of fat old man that is I am your gun. Like I love that kind of silly shit, but that's just me. So now talking about some more silly shit. Mr. Tonagawa Middle Management Blues. Okay, do you know what Kaiji is? Yes. Okay, cool. This is a follow-up to Kaiji. This is a spin-off of Kaiji, in fact. This is a prequel to Kaiji. You don't have to watch Kaiji to watch this. It spoils all... It doesn't seem related to Kaiji at all. It spoils all of Kaiji in the first episode. So if you want to watch Kaiji, watch Kaiji. But you don't need to. Because this is about Mr. Tonagawa, the first villain of of the anime. And him being a middle manager in his evil uh, corporation. And then the second half of the season hits, and then they introduce the second antagonist for the for for the for Kaiji, who is uh, uh Onoda, and he's and him taking his days off of and him taking his leave from the from the underground prison. <coughs> There's that sneeze. Uh, holy crap! This is so well done. This is like. I just so before we recorded, uh, before Patrick got here and we started recording, I finished this week's episode. This week's episode, the ver the second half of the anime is setting up a your name joke. <laughs> That's great. Literally sets up the, the sets up the whole thing where we have a character. The character goes up. He take it's the character that takes his, that's taking his leave from the prison. So he's taking his one day leave. He sits up. There's a guy right next to him. He's like, "Oh, this guy saved up his money and everything so he could take the day off." Okay, I'll never see him again. And he keeps going to all his restaurants that he wants to go to. The guy is there. They order the same thing. And then the very end, he or like they go, they order the same thing and then the guy orders two sides that he didn't think about ordering on it. And he's like, Maybe I'll just order one. So he orders one, puts it on, and the other guy passes him the other thing. He's like, no, this will taste disgusting. And he tastes it, and then he does it anyways because the guy, like, nods at him to do it, and then he tries it, and it's really good. And he's like, oh, my God, I wish – and then he never sees – and then he says, and then I never saw him again. And then we literally have him – because he's the foreman of the underground work camp, and he's, like, walking by with his, like, assistant, and they – and they – um. They uh they pass they pass by this dude who's got his mask on and he's like wait hold on that guy looks familiar and it's very much similar to the end of your name and he's like he turns around and he's like hey excuse me and then the guy pulls down his mask he's like it is you what's your name and then it literally stops plays the music switches to the fucking backdrop with the fucking star coming down from the poster and has the fucking two ingredients shooting out of the air on the as the fucking comment and i'm just dying that's fucking gold i fucking died like i was not expecting a your name drop right there like holy crap this series is so well paced and it's like if you if you ever worked middle management, I think you would love this because my friend uh, Gable, who's on the twenty six hundred podcast, he loves this series and he because he used to be like in middle management, um, not for like a big company or anything, but like he was middle management for his shop and he 
gets every single detail of the Tanagawa sections. I just love this series, and I'm so glad. I hope, and this series is getting dubbed, and the dub is good. And the like, one of the main selling points for this series is it has a narrator that is over the top and silly. Like the Japanese narrator is over the top, crazy, silly voice. And then he goes in, and then we go into the English dub, and they get somebody who does just as good of a job. I was shocked as to how good of a job the English dub narrator did because I was expecting like they were going to try and it was going to come off lukewarm to okay but no he hits every point perfectly like every everybody that I that I've watched it with literally starts at, like talking about whenever we whenever we mention Tonagawa they start using ways that he says Tonagawa like at one point he's like Yukio Tonegawa like just just silly ways that he just expressively narrates and it's so good i want kaiji to be dubbed now please you are dubbing this sentai you're dubbing this dub kaiji i know you have the rights because you're dubbing this you better better i need kaiji dubbed so that other people can watch it because it's really hard to watch in subs (laughs) it's lots of talking lots of talking but yeah, uh, this is, oh my God. And it's still going. It's, it's 26 episodes. So like, I still get more. I can't believe I, I can't believe that a, this thing exists and B I'm getting more like, oh, have you seen anything from this besides me? Maybe posting memes about it. Um, I caught the first episode and I definitely enjoyed it. I mean, it was definitely one of those ones where I kind of want to watch and finish Kaiji first and then watch it. But um, I can definitely see where and – and I do think it's interesting that, you know, they were able to do a spinoff like this that seems so outside the box and make it work. And I think that's awesome. Oh, yeah. And he's still – and you still get the writing of the kaiji writer. And, like, it's still Madhouse animating it, which is amazing. Like – Oh my god, it's everything. Everything from the original Kaiji series is back. The OP feels like the OPs for Kaiji, and the ED is an ED from Kaiji. Like, (laughs) it is so well done. Ah, this is me being really, really... The the next three ones are going to be me being super fanboy, because they're all three things that I love. Because now we're going into a certain Magical Index 3, which... Patrick, have you watched any certain uh, any of the a certain series? I am completely virgin to the a certain series. I I've heard good things. I just never had a chance to check it out. So, a certain magical index, which is the initial series through the a certain series, is about a character Toma Kamijo. He lives in Academy City, which is a super science city in Japan that is kind of its own like country at this point. Um, where a bunch, where they pretty much have people going. It's pretty much a bunch of academies that all that all spend time doing like extra science work and everything. And people are, and that's where espers go go to live. So like you have tiers of espers where you have level zeros, level ones, level twos, level threes, level fours, and level fives. Uh, Kamicho is a level zero where he doesn't have any psychic powers. Uh, one day while he is putting out where well, while he's putting out his uh tatami mat and everything he fr- he finds this uh nun just laying on his fucking balcony and he's like huh 
Well, and then she's like super hungry, so he lets her in and he feeds her. And we find out her name is Index. Uh, she she keeps talking about magic and all this weird stuff, and he's like, "No, I live in Science Town. Like this is stupid." And he's and she's like, "Ha!" And he's like, and he talks about how his hand seems to be able to stop Esperabilities. She's like, "Ha! That won't do anything about about magic." And he's like, "Oh yeah, well." show me something magical and i'll prove it and he's and she's like ha my robes are magical so he's like uh okay and he taps her robes and then just shatters because he broke the spell on her robes and he's like uh uh and then it does the comedy bit where he gets beat beat up by the little girl uh series is super good um it go it goes into super depth It, it goes well into depth it's got one of my favorite characters i think this is I don't know if this is the first of the uh, a magical high school with main character that cancels out every magic ability, but it's definitely one of the best ones. He's he, like com- like Kamijo's ability, uh, Imagine Breaker, is so well done, and it's got so many good characters. That's why it's got two spinoffs, one of which is just now coming out next year, which is based on my favorite character, Accelerator. Which is the second villain. <laughs> now, this may be a stupid question. Is a certain scientific railgun part of this yes. part of this universe? So there are three there there are going to be three anime uh tied to this. A certain magical index, a certain scientific railgun, and a certain uh and a certain scientific accelerator. So uh a certain scientific railgun is about another main character of this, uh Mikoto Mikasa. And it's more focused on her. Uh, and happening simultaneously to a certain magical index in in certain ways and certain ways not um but it's more about it's not as much magic going on as it's more about the science aspect and then uh accelerator is all about my favorite character who's voiced by bakugo's japanese voice actor and he's a fucking asshole and he's great and i love him (laughs) he's so good and he like so he's super busted because he controls vectors and then he gets kind of debuffed a little bit with his power because he get he, because some uh, sh- some shit happens and he has to like he has to like literally get wired up to be able to activate his power again. But he's such an asshole and he's so good. Like I just love this series. Um, and it's well written. Like a certain magical index, a certain a certain uh scientific railgun, and when we get a certain scientific accelerator. All, all, all are great. It's just a very big chore if you want to watch because I think you have to watch all of it if you're going to watch it. And I think if you get invested in it, you will watch all of it. Um, so following up with things that have a long list of things to watch, JoJo's Part Five or JoJo's Bizarre Adventure, uh, Golden Winds, is the fifth part. Is the fifth part to the jojo's manga and is about giorno giovanna a italian uh mobster in naples who wants to become the the gang star not gangster the gang star um do you know anything about jojo's or is this gonna be me again um i know a little bit about jojo's i love all the rock and roll references that's like the thing that really sold me on the show so I think you'd like JoJo's. It's super weird. 
you got to get past the first part because the first part's super generic. And I'm probably if if people if like we get a huge amount of JoJo's fans that listen to this, there are going to be people that hate me for saying that. But part one is probably the worst part. Um, part two is really good. Part three is the most shown any part. Part four is weird. And then part five is fun. Part four was uh, Diamond is Unbreakable, right? Yes, that was the one that Crunchyroll was advertising tons of. Yeah, because I remember I caught I caught a couple episodes of that out of context, and <laughs> admittedly, this is one of those shows we're watching it out of context. You really have no idea what the hell is going you on. You do not. <laughs> but that being said, I was still entertained just because of the style. Oh yeah, no. Um, and each series has its own style. So like. Part one and part two have a very, and this is also done by David Productions, who does sells at work. So like part one and part two and part three also kind of have a very similar style where it's very gritty and realistic. And then part four, because of the setting and tone and everything, it's super colorful. The sky is purple in Boreo. Um, it's super weird looking, and it's super like fantastical. And then part uh five is all pastel colors and really cool. So, I can't I can't be a real JoJo's fan if I don't talk about its OPs and EDs because its OP is by the composers that composed Neon Eva Neon Genesis Evangelion's OP and sung by the best OP singer of JoJo's Coda, and it's called uh, fuck Fighting Gold. Fighting Gold is so well made. It's a Bond theme, like. 100% it feels it has the pacing of a Bond theme it feels like a Bond theme and then if you listen to the lyrics the lyrics are literally the explanation is the thesis of this show which is what if part one's villain was a good guy because that's what Giorno is is Giorno is Dio but good it's so well done and like the ED is fun do you know have you have you heard what this e, do you know what the part of Jojo EDs are uh-uh. So JoJo EDs are all like top 40s songs of the era that the series was being written in. So part one and two are roundabouts. But yes, part three, the first half is uh, Walk Like an Egyptian. I don't remember part the second half of part threes uh, off the top of my head. Part fours, I don't remember the name. Ah, they literally made a big deal about this because the band even put out a single with it with Jotaro's uh, or with Josuke's face. And then part fives is Freaking You by Jodeci. That's awesome. And it fits the flavor of this of this part because this is the part where Araki decided instead of having Sans just float behind them. The stands would embrace and be weird with their fucking stand user. As we have uh, Giorno in one in like the second episode posing with his stand, and his stand and him look like a Janet Jackson album album cover. That is fucking rad. Like it is, it is my favorite stuff, and I think you'd love JoJo's. It's a lot of it's a lot of watch though. If you if you have to start from the beginning, but it is so well done and so good. I love part five and part five has been perfect. Perfect. Um, I don't, I wouldn't see part five as my favorite part. Um, those are, those are later. <laughs> those are six and seven. 
uh, are I think are better than part five. Isn't the manga like a decade or so ahead of the anime? Yes, we are on part eight. Um, <laughs> we're we're at least two more thirty nine episode seasons ahead in the manga. Wow, <laughs> like it's it's insane because like and that's the thing. This is gonna be a thirty nine episode season. This is not a twenty six episode. This is not a twelve. This is thirty nine. Because it's three seasons long. And it's going to be super good. But talking about something that's going to be super long. Here comes the fun part. Sword Art Online Alicization. This one's going to be four seasons long. It's, wow. It's four cores. <laughs> uh, so let's just talk about the first episode and how bad it was for the second half of it. <laughs> so the first half of the first episode is really good because it sets up the world, sets up the game. I thought it was just going to get us ball rolling into there and then we'd flash out and he'd be in a coma already. But no, nope. We had to we had to explain that the fucking game uses the soul and that souls exist in science fiction world and that they're in fluct lights. And I don't I hate the I hate the exposition we got for the, for the second half of this episode. So a promising first half followed by a second half where everything shits the bed, huh? Yeah. So basically Sword Art Online's first season then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Sorry, a little below the belt, I know. Um so after and so after they finished the first episode which Kirito ends in a coma even though he shouldn't have ended in a coma if you know character writing cuz he's more capable than they put him out as he was armed with an umbrella guy had a fucking syringe he has disarmed a person with a syringe without anything and yet somehow when he's holding an umbrella with asana behind him he gets stabbed with the syringe and gets put into a coma um he then gets trapped in the video game and uh the video game is more it's actually weird because he's not overpowered it feels like he understands how to play the game but he's he got his ass kicked by goblins, like. See, like that actually kind of makes me more interested in this season because so, I'm not one of these like bandwagon Sao haters. Like it seems to me like hating on Sao is kind of like it's kind of it's almost become too easy to do. I think for a lot of like podcasters and YouTubers, my whole thing with Sao was I loved the premise itself. My issue with Sao was that. When you make your main character that overpowered, it takes any and all suspense away, especially in the first season where the whole idea is supposed to be that if you die in the game, you die for real. If honestly, and I've I've said this before, my biggest problem with SAO is that they made the wrong person the main character. If you made Asuna the main character of this show, it would be a really fascinating show to watch. The fact that they took arguably the most interesting character of the show in the first season and basically in the second half reduced her to nothing but a damsel in distress to me was an absolute shame. I mean, to be fair, I uh I will point out this is this is the worst part this is the worst uh sort normal sword art online is the worst way to watch sword art online. The best way is to watch the spin-off Gun Gale Alternative, which is not written by Reki Kawahara. And is written by Kino's Journey writer, as I have as Henry, who's a co-host on Twenty Six Hundred Podcast, only has watched that. He has not watched any Sword Art Online besides that. I started watching Gun Gale a while back, fully expecting to hate it. I, it was kind of one of those things where I was like, "All right, I'm gonna hate watch the first episode, and then you know I'll probably drop it." And I was like, 
whoa, this is actually pretty good. And if the show had been like this this whole time, I probably would be hooked. Oh, no. And it's well written, well done. Best characters ever. Like, so good. Uh, Alicization feels really good so far. And it feels like we're back to season one. Uh, Excluding the second half of that first episode. And I'm saying this because we're not into the first real world section again. Uh, as of the point of recording this podcast, we have not hit that point. Uh, that's actually this week's episode is the first real world section um, where we get Asuna and, and the crew going to figure out where Kirito disappeared to and whatever. But I, I'm, I'm hesitantly optimistic that we have the good one because everybody tells me that's read the light novels. This is the good one. They have told me this. No question asked. This is by far the best. But I cannot say that it is or isn't because I do not read the light novels. Like, I do not have the time. If they have an audio bo- uh, if they had audiobooks, maybe I would. But, like, I, I work. I record podcasts. I edit uh, or I have to figure out the uploads. I have to make the uh, art for the SoundCloud pages and... I also try to stream, so, like, it's really hard for me to do reading a light novel as well and try to keep up with everything else that I do. Fair enough. Uh, so, now we're going into... So, those were all th- those were all four or all three new anime for this season, but they are, season- they are new seasons that are coming out. So, now we're going into all the things that are brand new. And we're going to be doing this in alphabetical order. So we're going to start with Bloom Into You, which is a romance anime set into high, set in high school between two female characters. Yep. Th- this is less trashy Citrus. <laughs> Citrus is trashy, but it's it's kind of a guilty pleasure. Citrus is kind of one of those shows that may end up on my top ten list just for the for just for the just for the guilty pleasure factor. Yeah. Bloom into you is just a genuinely sweet love story. Oh yeah, so I, everything I've seen so far of it has indicated that that's where it's going, and I'm definitely excited to see where it goes. And I think it's interesting that, you know, when I've looked at online polls of you know most popular shows, it's one of the first Yuri anime that I've actually seen female anime fans really getting behind. Yeah, because usually Yuri is marketed to guys and yaoi's marketed to women and the fact that so many women are getting into the story tells me that it's not going the usual tropey route it's actually just trying to tell a good love story and i think that's really refreshing i see you also subscribe to that same facebook page where they posted the demographics of wit of men versus women onto who voted for which yeah and there were some really interesting things on there um Including a show that we're going to be getting to soon on the list that um, I was very surprised by the reception I got from one particular group. Yeah, um, but Bloom and You is really good. Uh, the start of the series is a character who just seems to not really be interested in pe- in like relationships or romance until she meets the student council president. She just kind of falls in love with her, and it's it's really nice. I've only watched the first episode personally because we. We kind of overburdened ourselves and then reduced the burden on ourselves, but it's still like a lot of stuff that we're talking about. So it was really good. And this is on High Dive, which is now part of VRV, which is super happy for me because that means people can now access Sentai Filmworks shows through VRV. And Sentai does Sentai picks up some good stuff. Like Sentai Sentai Funimation Crunchyroll, all great. 
Um, same with Amazon Prime. And actually, we have three Amazon Prime shows on here that I have watched all. Oh no, I did not watch that one. Have you watched? Have you watched? Uh, hold on. I think we. I did. Uh, my my thing did not save the editing. Did you watch the I'm Glad one or no? Um, I can't say that I have yet. Okay, so I we're gonna skip that the one first. Uh, I did watch the first couple episodes of Boarding School Juliet, and I was actually really impressed. Oh, my God. That was another one where I kind of went into it a little bit cold. I didn't really know a whole lot about it, but I really like where it's going. I'm fully caught up on Boarding School Juliet. So I I initially was uh, not going to watch this, and then I watched the Mother's Basement recommendations for this or for this season, and he brought this one up um, where he was like, this is Romeo and Juliet, but it's done very well and i was like okay because i've i've seen romeo and juliet done in anime before let's watch this so i watched this and i was like oh this is great this is amazing this is so good and it's kind of i'm i'm starting to break it apart in my head like it feels more like it's uh japanese and like western it, it's more of a japanese and western fighting instead of uh capulets and uh what are what are the other Montagues. Montagues. It's not Montagues and Capulets. It's Japanese and uh, Europeans. Because everybody in the White Cats is white and blonde. Or white and like not Japanese looking. And then everybody in the Black Dogs is Japanese. And it's kind of like a war. They're like Asianists. They're like Asian. And so it's like. It's kind of a war going on between those two. And then. Uh, Julie, Juliet and Romeo, who Romeo is even spelt in a Japanese way as R-O-M-I-O instead of R-O-M-E-O, are kind of in the center and they are trying to be secretly in love with each other. And then we get the best friend of Juliet, who is Char, and she is a fucking asshole and she's great. <laughs> and <laughs> I feel like she's a fucking, I feel like he or she is a fucking asshole and they're great is like <laughs> the best way to describe your favorite character in an anime and then mine is hey it's like the attractive cougar borderline psychotic one. Oh, so <laughs> you like Char mine. as well yes <laughs> exactly uh, so and then but I also like Hazuki and you haven't gotten to the point yet where she got her full on episode but she's really good ah oh, the series is so well written and they're about to start like a big arc with a villain for once and i'm excited to see where this goes i love boarding school juliet i it it caught me by surprise and this is on amazon prime uh for those that are that want to watch it. it is super good highly recommended um it's just romeo and juliet but anime but not gonna end in a tragedy like it's not gonna end with them both killing each other because it or because it looks like it's a nice happy show. Like I really don't want it to school days me. <laughs> it's so gonna school days us. No, I, I, I don't. I, I get that vibe. I don't. I just, it doesn't have. It doesn't just... have any dark overtones like school days did. Speaking of darkness, here comes Goblin Slayer. So before we get into this uh, argument that may ensue. I've read the manga and I really like Goblin Slayer before this and I was already going to watch all of it. Um, Goblin Slayer I got into because of a meme of Goblin Slayer sitting there sitting there looking dejected and is like, did you know that goblets are not just baby goblins? Is anybody else disappointed in this? 
And I was like, what is this? And I need it now. So I went and read it all and I loved it because it's a D and D setting. It's very dark. Um, and it, it adapts D and D super well. And it's, it's literally DM puts the DM wants to play a normal game of D and D players go, but we don't. And then main, and then one of the players goes, I'm going to be an asshole and just fuck with the game because I know how the game works. And that's what Goblin Slayer is. He doesn't play by normal D&D rules where everybody else is playing D&D and doing their class roles. Goblin Slayer goes, so what if I had a dimension door portal that's linked to the bottom of the ocean and I opened it? Oh, it turns into a water cannon that slices people in half. Now, Goblin Slayer, what do you want to do this with? I want to kill goblins. But Goblin Slayer, what about that dragon over? No, it's not a goblin. He's Doom Guy. And you want to know how much more incentivized this is that he's Doom Guy? His English dub voice actor is Doom Guy's motion cap actor. No shit. <laughs> so he is Doom Guy. It is great. So, Patrick, tell me about the part I don't want to hear. The the people not liking it. So a lot of people don't like this show. To be honest with you, for the same reason that I honestly don't like this show. Now, here's the thing. I watch some really messed up stuff in terms of like dark content and, you know, certain content in and of itself is not going to trigger me or anything like that. I mean, some of my favorite anime of all time, like Perfect Blue and Akira, have extremely fucked up things that happen in them. That being said, my issue with Goblin Slayer's first episode wasn't the things that happen in the episode. My issue was that I just honestly didn't think the show was very good. Now, my reasonings for this admittedly may be a little bit, may come down to a lot of personal biases. For one thing, I'm personally not a huge D&D guy and I'm not really, I'm a little burnt out on the whole fantasy world trope. In fact, one of the few shows in that genre that I've really liked in the last couple of years was Kanasuba because basically it just takes a massive shit on that entire concept in a lot of ways while still working within it. Yeah. Um, and I will say that, you know, there were aspects of the first episode that I found interesting. I liked how it kind of took a twist on the whole, you know, thing where you know the, the main character you know the main really arguably the main at least the character that I guess the audience is supposed to empathize with you know when she's brought in with this adventure group and you kind of realize as she's signing up with to go with them and as they're going off on this first mission that they really have no idea what the fuck they're doing and they are not prepared and I will say that you know that you know the, the fact that they did face consequences for that isn't what bothered me what bothered me was the same things that bother me when I watch a slasher movie and you've got the dumb fucking teenager running up the stairs when they should be running out the door, which is that, you know, okay, they're goblins. Yes, they're also way smaller than you and you have a fucking sword. Fucking do something. Don't just fucking stand there frozen in fear like a jackass. Well, but there was a problem. He brought a longsword into the cave. So the so the problem was is that he brought the longsword into a close into a closed environment and so he can't swing it freely because it's too long. That's why Goblin Slayer carries short swords all the time because he knows that he can't swing a longsword in a cave. Yeah, see, and that 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 eye for detail is something that I do respect about yeah. the writing of the show. I will say this. I I really do not want to watch Goblin Rape. No, oh, here, that okay, only don't, don't get yeah. me wrong. I'm not I'm not saying that you can't have 
violent or sexually violent content in a piece of entertainment or a piece of art and not have it have context. In this case, it just felt excessive. It felt like it, it really felt like some like you know, it really felt like some really fucked up fan fiction that you would find on 4chan. Now, question for you: Did you get to episode three? I did. Okay, so uh, I would like to point out that uh, mother, uh, I, I again, I since since we have been doing this, Mother's Basement put out a very good video essay that he explains that you really don't need the first episode. The first episode kind of just exists to introduce two characters, and by if you watch the second episode, the second episode does the same thing. It introduces you the Goblin Slayer. It doesn't have the rape. It doesn't have any of that stuff. And yes. The one problem with Goblin Slayer, even the manga, like I love the manga, even the manga, it has too much rape and it has too much of this framing it in a way that is supposed to be sexual and everything like that. And it's just that was a big part of my issue with it. I mean, perfect example. I mean, I'm going to compare two scenes. Yeah. You compare the angles on the simulated rape scene in a film like Perfect Blue it is not designed to look appealing or tantalizing or sexy. It is designed to look fucking horrifying. The angles and the way that the scene was shot in the first episode was done in a way, the same way that you would do fan service. And I personally found that kind of reprehensible. Yes. And I think that's kind of just because the manga does the same thing. And I feel like that's kind of just a problem with the, uh with the culture of japan and the animation uh industry in japan where they see oh we're we have to make this a fan service section because a girl uh, girl's getting her clothes ripped off and you didn't really need to um the the light novel by the way no like it it like it doesn't go into detail it just goes that she gets caught and then bad stuff well it, it it kind of says it but it doesn't like it doesn't spend like a paragraph explaining to you how she's like her getting raped. Yeah, see, and that's the thing. To me, if if the light novel could do it in a if the light novel could do it in in that way, I don't understand why they couldn't do that in a visual format in the same way. I mean, don't get me wrong, I know that with animation there's a certain amount of show don't tell that goes on, but at the same time, to me it just felt very misguided. And again, you know, another comparison, you know, yeah, you know, I, the, the argument that I keep hearing is, oh, well, you know, there's there's rape in Berserk. I'm like, yeah, but the rape scene in Berserk is not fetishized. It's horrifying. And it's and it's framed in a way that makes it horrifying. The final episode of, Berser of the 97 Berserk series is one of the most horrifying things I've ever fucking seen in my life. To be fair. It was supposed to be. I was one of those people that was bringing it up, and I didn't even think about the fact that they portrayed it in a, in a tantalizingly fan service way i was just like well they did rape in this too and then I, and then after watching the video and like re-watching the episode i went oh that that you're right they are kind of like portraying this more as look at look at her and her naked body and like all this stuff and it's like oh yeah and i think i think my biggest frustration with this show is that i do see the I see the framework of a very good show there. Yeah. In terms of the detail and in terms of the setting and in terms of, you know, the small details like you mentioned with the sword and things like that. I mean, obviously the writer himself is a very capable writer. The show is well animated. You know, all the pieces are there. I just felt that they did themselves a disservice by taking that tactic. But that being said, what's interesting to me is, you know, 
going back to the male and female yeah. uh, viewer poll, Goblin Slayer was not on the top 10 for men. It was on the top 10 for women. And I found that really interesting. Yeah, that was really interesting. And I think that's mainly because, like, once you get past that first episode, I feel like a lot of people who are interested in D&D &D or love D&D &D or something like that will love Goblin Slayer. I love Goblin Slayer because, well... I loved Goblin Slayer from page three of the manga because page three of the manga is Priest getting handed a fifth edition character sheet. And I went, you cheeky bastard. You <laughs> cheeky bastard. That's a fucking D. You are playing D&D &D right now. Um, I love everything about it. I, lo I like all the characters. Um, I love Mage, even though she talks like this. All the time but i love her fucking character she's so good uh i love her design i love everything oh we just had the episode where we get to see the guy get the club ah oh, it's so good like we like it he's so good at writing characters but he's bad at naming them as <laughs> the characters names are goblin slayer elf dwarf lizardman priest Sword Priestess, Guild uh Guild Attendant, Cowgirl, uh Mage, Knight. Uh, is there anybody else that has a name that I can remember off the top of my head? No, I can't remember any others. But yeah, he just names them after their D D classes, and I'm just like, Good on you. I can remember all those names. <laughs> I don't have to remember like Sudagawa Tenkotsu or anything like that. Like I just remember, oh, Goblin Slayer. Oh, this. And, like, people give it shit because he doesn't name them very well. And I'm like, no, I like the simple naming convention. I can, like, sometimes when I'm when I'm talking about characters, I can't remember their names. And I just go, yeah, the this thing. This thing that describes them accurately. And it's like, oh, yeah. Yeah, I like that a lot better than just giving me a name and me having to remember it. Huh. But off of Goblin Slayer and onto some sports anime, Hinamaru Zumo. Did you watch this? I watched the first episode, and um, I actually thought it was pretty fun. I think it's got some potential. I like this. This is a, this is one of those ones that I've seen the manga keep going for a while, and like it's always been interesting to me. I didn't know what it was about, and now knowing that it's about sumo is kind of interesting. And I'm uh, I've only watched like the first two or three episodes. Uh, it's been really hard to keep up with watching all these, keeping up with the weekliness of 26 and under and uh, my normal life. So it, it's been, it's been a little rough, but I did like what I watched of Hinomaru, Hinomaru Zumo. And I think I will definitely watch more of it where it's about a character who is not in the weight or he does not meet the normal requirements you would think of a sumo wrestler. He is not a big dude. He is not he is not he's short. He is muscular, but he is not he is not big. So like uh that means that probably disqualifies him from a lot of like normal sumo people looking at him in a good way, but he is really good at it. <laughs> like he he trained himself. He got himself. He built up his bulk. Like he he is not he is not big in a sumo wrestler size. He is bulky though. Like he is built like a fucking house. 
he uh, he's so cool and like the the anime is setting up this really cool underdog story of he's joining this really shit school with a bad uh, sumo team and he's gonna build the sumo team up from the ground up with all these different characters and we're gonna watch them go into the fucking inner high and take down all these big big names i'm like yes i like all of sports anime because of this you create a good character you create a good scenario like this and i will 100 percent be down for you uh how did you feel about it um i felt similarly to you in the sense that you know i thought the first episode definitely you know it definitely established you know it definitely established the setting very well, and I thought that, you know, it's interesting seeing a sports anime that revolves around something like sumo, um, you know, something that, you know, is, you know, very uniquely Japanese. You know, oh, yeah. It's so much different from watching, like, a baseball anime or yeah. a basketball anime, and so there's a lot of aspects of the sport that I find fascinating, and so, you know, I'm really excited to keep watching this one just because I want to learn more about the actual sport, and it's being presented in a really cool way. So this is definitely one that I'm really excited for this season. Yeah, this is similar to my uh, my way with All Out, where All Out was the rugby anime, and I didn't know that much about rugby. I knew a little bit about it, but I did not know like a crazy uh, high amount about rugby. And then I watched it, and by like episode four, I was like, oh, I know everything about rugby now. This is really good. Why do we play football? Right. Why Why are we not just playing rugby? I would much rather watch rugby than football. I still want a hockey anime. Japan, um, if you're listening, give me a hockey anime. Depends please. on if they play it over there is the problem. They play it somewhat. I think it's more popular in Korea and China than it is in Japan. So, going from sumo and into the circus, Karakuri Circus. Do you know what this anime is? I do not. So, this anime is the second manga made by the guy who wrote Ushio and Tora, done by the studio that did Ushio and Tora, and it is amazing fucking sold man <laughs> <laughs> i mean this sorry is, but i'm fucking sold yeah this is also on amazon prime this anime is um is so good so i don't want to spoil like what just happened because you you obviously haven't watched it up to the point of this new episode but let me just tell you episode five threw me for such a loop i had to go wiki to see what's going on and then i found out more about this anime that is crazy this anime is Amazing. So the basic premise of this anime, for those that don't know, is uh, a boy, um, Mataro. Um, I can't remember his name honestly. Uh, he he is uh he has inherited a gigantic fortune from his dad who just died. Um, his dad and his family are well-known puppet makers and uh or machinery makers, and they are and every head of the family, uh is known to make what is known as karakuri, which are clockwork puppets that kind of move on their own and act and like do all this stuff. Uh, his grand uh, his grandfather told him um, that if he ever ran into trouble or af- if his father ever died, he needed to go find go to a circus and find a certain person. Um, so on his way to fu- and he said go to the closest circus. He didn't say go to a specific circus. Said go to the closest. So kid is uh is walking with this giant ass metal suitcase going around trying to find the circus and he runs into this uh mascot character who's handing out balloons at first and advertising for a circus he's like hey 
can you take me to the circus? And the guy just thinks, oh, he's trying to run away because he sees the suitcase and everything. And then these guys in black suits and sunglasses uh, come and, like, try try to take the boy away. And the dude in the fucking, uh, the dude in the mascot costume just fucking uh, kempos them out and, like, fights through them. And then they turn out to be, like, some kind of mannequin things. And it's... It just goes from there, and we meet the character he was supposed to meet at the circus, and she ends up controlling what's in his suitcase, which is a uh, a super high depth, in depth uh, puppet that is kind of like a robot that she controls, and it just goes like it is so well done. I have seen now the most gruesome character death I have ever seen, as a character dies and. All that is left is his arm holding on to a character. And I was just shocked. That's some like corpse party shit. Yeah, like Jesus. I was shocked because it was such a dramatic scene. I was like, oh, that they're going to be fine. They're going to be fine. And then the nope. scene ends and just his arm is there. And I'm like, oh, oh my God, what? It is so good. And I love, I love Ushio and Tora. And I love this. Holy crap. I forced people to watch this because I was like, you need to watch this because it's by the people that I made the anime I love. I love it so much. And it's done by, and the OP is done by Bump of Chicken, which is the people that did the OP for, uh, fuck, Blood Blockade Battlefront. Nice. And it's so good. Like, everything Blood about Blockade it. Blood Battlefront was one of those shows where the music and the score just really, just really elevated that show. And this show also has a very good music, and it's just, it's animation's beautiful, it's music's beautiful. It feels like it's from the 90s, which is the same thing I had with Ushio and Toro, was it felt like it was from the 90s, which felt good to have. It's the same thing where you, it's the same thing that you have with Banana Fish. Like, this feels like I'm watching an older anime. It doesn't feel like I'm watching something from 2018. Yeah. And it's so good. So good. And I have a feeling we're going to probably start seeing more shows like that in the next couple of years because, I mean, it's almost like how in music, how trends kind of repeat themselves every 20 years. You've got a lot of bands coming out now that have a very 90s influence. I think in anime, you kind of almost see the same thing sometimes where, you know, there are things that I'm catching in modern anime that I remember from anime I watched as a teenager. I mean... And I think that's really cool. And it's cool because it's introducing... I think it's introducing different ideas to a new generation of anime fans but allowing them to put their own twist and their own mark on it i mean just this year we got a new gegege kitaro san we got a new um we got a new card captor fucking this like we're getting a bunch of just and a, a certain magical index has been dead for like five to six years like it's had nothing and then we got season three and now we're getting uh, season three, season three of uh, Railgun and season one of Accelerator. Like it's crazy. It feels like we're going into. Well, you remember all these old things. Let's let's bring them back. Let's just do old stuff. I think it all started with Parasite actually, because Parasite was an old manga, and then they just went fuck it. Let's adapt it. Yeah, and, and I think I think that I think we're gonna probably start seeing some more of that. I think we'll probably start seeing some titles that maybe didn't get an anime before. Like Devil getting, Man, oh <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I, I think I think we're <laughs> definitely going to start seeing more of that because there's also a lot of series that came out in there's a lot of great manga that came out in the 80s and 90s that 
you know, maybe animation-wise, the technology wasn't really there to present it the way the artist would have wanted it presented, and now they're in a position to do that. So going from uh, anime based on manga from uh, old times to an anime based on a comic book from France, Radiant. Yeah, which I thought was really interesting. Um, I was actually really excited to check this one out because it was a, you know, an, an it was it was it was definitely has the feel and the look of an anime. Yeah. But the fact that it's a non-Japanese writer, it's really weird. Like it, I like I like it personally. I was a little bit underwhelmed. Um, I think it, it has the same problem that I admittedly, and again, you know, my personal bias is coming into play here. Yeah. It has the same problem that I have with most Shonen series, which is that I can't stand the main character. He is an annoying ass. I mean, I, I like it because it's a, and now, and learning that it's from a fr French writer, like it's, it's a anime, it's a Shonen anime written by not a Shonen writer and it feels like it's a Japanese writer. Yeah, and I think honestly, I think that maybe actually be part of why I was kind of a little underwhelmed is that I I think maybe I went in expecting something a little too radically different because it was a non-Japanese writer yeah. and what I got was a very faithful faithful to the shonen genre show which is perfectly fine but I think for me maybe I think maybe I was looking for something a little bit different that wasn't there. I, one thing I will say about this show though I do like the character designs, especially oh on the mentor character. That is one of the most unique designs I've seen for a character in anime. In all these time. character designs are so cool. Like they all look so well, well designed and well animated. And like, it doesn't, it doesn't look like Japanese anime, but it's, is it's so weird. I love it. It's really cool. I'm, I'm sadly like behind on a few episodes because there are certain things that I am fully caught up on, and then there are certain things that I'm not, as we put a lot of things on our plate. So, but this one, I am probably going to finish off. This is probably one of those ones that I will 100% finish when I have the time. Uh, following that, though, we get Rascal Does Not Dream of Bunny Girl Senpai. I love this series so much. This series is so good. <laughs> do you Do you like Haruhi? Yes, I do. Okay, do you want to watch? Uh, do you want to watch an anime that not only takes the Schrodinger's cat uh paradox and makes it into an anime character, but also takes his takes Laplace's demon, makes it into an anime character, and makes the concept of six and stones can't break my can break my bones, but words words will never hurt me as a fucking character. Sounds cool to me. It takes <laughs> concepts and turns them into anime girl girls. It is amazingly weird i love it its main character is really off and weird compared to a normal main character where he just honestly goes well yeah i am i am a pervert yeah i i think that's a big part of why this show appealed to me after the first couple episodes was i like that the character kind of has this sort of erratic unreliability to himself like there's a part of me that's convinced this whole thing's happening in this fucking head i i don't believe that though because like the fucking the entire arc with the main girl where she's just not existing it's so weird i've i'm loving this series and this series is just so off and it's it, it's weird because it's filling a hole that haruhi left and it it even did endless eight faster than haruhi because the laplace's box if you don't know laplace's demon it's literally a repeat of endless eight but it only goes like two or three times and it's not an episode per endless eight. 
Yeah, as much as I love the melancholy of Haru Suzumiya, the Endless 8 thing pissed me off. I was like, are you serious? Really? This is how we're doing shit now? I mean, I get it in terms of the story they were telling, but I was like, uh, what? Yeah, sadly, the Endless 8 had a problem where to adapt it into an anime, they had to do that. Like, there's no way you can do the Endless 8 without it. And it's really sad because, like, I've just recently recorded the Tatami Galaxy episode for our podcast. And that does time loop so well. Have you ever watched Tatami? Uh, yes, I have. Yeah, that does a time loop so fucking well. Yeah, it really does. It, and it's um, I think that's definitely something that's really challenging to do with a limited run series as well. Because, you know, when you're dealing with, you know, a core of 12 or 13 episodes, I mean, and you're having to involve that sort of stuff, it definitely gets challenging. One thing that I really like about this show, too, though, is that... I think this show would definitely appeal to people who like anime, but who like the more subversive, odd series. I mean, Haruhi's already been brought up as an example, but another one is, I kind of, there were parts of it that kind of almost reminded me of Welcome to the NHK, just because of the, just the, you know, the unreliability of the narrator and just kind of the kind of erratic sort of sense of, you know, you're entertained, but you never really feel like you have a real grip on what's going on. Oh, I, I, I completely agree. As a per, as a fan of both those anime, I completely agree with you on that. Um, this anime is 100% one of those weird ones, and like I bring it up to my friends that I, I bring it up to my co-host at 26 Under, and I'm like, hey, look at this cool, look at this cool thing, and they're like, Matt, that looks like a weird thing that you just found on the ground. Yeah, but it's cool. <laughs> I like these weird animes. You know, you guys all know how weird I am with my taste sometimes. Um, I really liked it. And going into weird, release the spice. So this one <laughs> and the last show that we're going to talk about are kind of running neck and neck for me right now for my favorites of the season. Um, now, the thing I like about this show is it, it reminds me a lot of last year's uh, Princess Principle where I went into it. Not expecting more than basically a fun, cute girls being cute action show, but they added a lot of interesting little subversive things to it, and that I really enjoyed last year. And this, you know, a lot of the steampunk yeah. vibes and stuff. And this one kind of goes down a somewhat similar path in the sense of, you know, it's it's the sort of premise that I think a lot of studios and a lot of writers would have just gone completely straight laced with. But there's enough little weird over-the-top elements in it to just keep it kind of keep you on your toes while you're watching. It. Patrick, they're all named after fucking famous ninjas. <laughs> like Case at, in point. <laughs> as as a as a fan of of Samurai Warriors, Sengoku Basura, and all this stuff, they said their names. I went, hold on a minute. <laughs> I know you. You don't you don't look like that. But the premise is really cool as they are ninjas that have to kind of I, what is their actual job? Like, just just beat up cr criminals? Like, that's what it feels like. I've only watched the first two episodes, so it... I mean, they're, they're, they're supposedly there to, you know, protect the city from criminal syndicates, but it, it does kind of, you know, it does kind of have that feeling of like, well, I don't really know why you're doing what you do, but it's fun, so let's yeah. roll with it. And, and they power up through ingesting a type of spice. And it's uh, it's an interesting idea, and I like the s series and the action's really well done, all this stuff. It's just like I don't know if this is a uh, I don't know if this is for me, 
but I'll probably wa- I'll probably finish it up once uh, once I have the time. I will say that I do find the fact that their powers are based on them ingesting essentially a drug kind of fascinating, considering that Japan's view of drugs is very very rigid. So there's kind of a subversive element to the show as well, and you know. Being someone who, you know, likes to watch anime while smoking pot, you know. Okay, it's, yeah. You know, it, it, I, I kind of I kind of caught that and I was like, hmm. Yeah. Um, so following this up is Run With The Wind, which I only was able to watch the first episode because at the time that we had made this list and this that, and I had watched this, we were planning to watch one of everything. So I, I decided this was one that I was only going to watch the first episode of. Did you watch any of this? I have not yet. It's definitely one I've been meaning to watch because it's a production IG show. And production IG is one of those studios that I will go out of my way to watch something if they're involved. I mean, I'm a huge Ghost in the Shell fan. Um, I mean, they have their missteps here and there. I mean, I thought Joker Game had a white hot start and just kind of fizzled out over the course of the series. But I loved the premise. Yeah. But this is definitely one that I wanted to give a shot. Uh, so the first episode's really interesting as it's about um, a college track team. Well, I guess I should say it's first about a college dorm that this guy just keeps inviting people into, and then after after he's got his after he's got his whole team, he goes, "Cool, we're now all the track team." And they go, "What?" And he's like, "Yep, I grabbed you all to be the part of the track team, and we've got a mentor and everything." And they're like, "But we don't want to be part of the track team." He's like, "Too bad, you're part of the track team." And I think that was another reason why I was kind of curious to see this one is that. You know, when I think of production IG, I think of like sign in, I think of like suspense, action, psychological stuff, sci fi. I don't think of sports anime. Yeah. So that's kind of one of the reasons why I was like, okay, if these guys are trying a sports anime, I'm at least going to give it a shot to see what they would do with it. It's it's an interesting first episode, and all the characters are really nice. It's just, I have, I still have too much on my plate. I might come back and watch this once the season's done. But it looks nice. It's well animated because production IG. Um, I just I just didn't have the time. But you know what I did have the time for? What's that? SSS Gridman. Of course you did. <laughs> I would not have. This is one that would never have been missed by me because this is a trigger anime. And I don't miss any of those. To my detriment sometimes, as Darling and the Franks was. But... We'll we'll talk about that. <laughs> I just shot him a look. <laughs> yeah, uh, Gridman is what uh, what Darling and the Franks should have been. Um, where Darling and the Franks was attempting to be a uh, a love letter to the mecha genre in general, and specifically Gynax and all of Gynax's old stuff. Gridman is a love letter to not only mecha anime. It is a love letter to tokusatsu anime, or not tokusatsu anime, but tokusatsu. It's a love letter to good shit in general. It's a love letter to Trigger. It's a love. It's a love letter to literally all, all the things that I love. Uh, it is based off of a '90s tokusatsu series that was made by the same people that made Ultraman. Um, it is about a. It is about a kid that uh, wakes up with amnesia. And a uh, computer screen t- with a robot with a robot face on it that looks like an Ultraman going, "You must remember, you must remember, do your do your duty." That being Gridman, and he's and he's just kind of got no memory. And then he walks outside, and there's a giant kaiju just 
fr- giant kaiju just frozen in the middle of the city. It's just there. Nobody else can see it, but he can. And we go we go through the series and we get introduced to all the characters. All the characters are super nice. Uh, there are two characters in here that are the internet's uh, internet's new zero two Ichigo debate. Um, it is an interest. It uh, everything's so well made. This and, is one I'm really excited to check out because I mean I mean for one thing it is a trigger series which I'm a huge fan of. Um, at the trigger panel at Anime Expo, they had a little teaser for this, and I was definitely intrigued. And I'll fully admit, Mecha is totally not my wheelhouse. Yeah, I honestly probably can count on one hand the number of Mecha series that I would, in my personal, that would that would personally be in my personal collection. Uh, Gurren Lagann being one, um, Evangelion being one. Um, that being said, it is a genre that I do find interesting and, you know, being able to see someone take it and kind of run with it the way Trigger has with their shows um, really makes it stand out. And, you know, it's interesting because I think a big reason why I liked Darling and the Franks so much and I and it's funny, Darling and the Franks is one of those shows where I loved it, but I totally understand why a lot of people did not. Well, so let me put it out this way. I liked Darling in the Franks till episode 14. And then Trigger dropped it. And Cloverworks was the people that took over. And you can tell when Cloverworks took over because it started to kind of not work. And the animation started to not look the same. It started to not be about the mechs. It started to not do a lot of the things that the Trigger was going for. And it feels and like Trigger wasn't even writing it. Like this was that was written by uh, a one. A one. It? it was written by a one. So it wasn't Trigger writing it. It was just Trigger animating certain episodes, and those episodes were like some of the best. In fact, episode fourteen was like the pinnacle of that series. And then all of a sudden, it just made this steady downward slope. And it just, I I was fighting for a long time that it was still good against other Mecha fans that were just like Matt, stop you you're you're losing this fight i'm like but and then i just realized like yeah i was because as it kept going i was just like it's just being blatant at this point like it ripped off the ending of gunbuster like it it just legit took the ending of gunbuster and combined it with the ending of die buster and just put them together and went do you like what we made and i went i mean i i liked it when i watched it like five years ago when I originally watched Gunbuster and Diebuster, you, you can't just present me a thing that I know I like and go, but like it more, and expect me to go, yeah, I'll like it more. And you know, and the truth is, you know, I think if I had seen those series and then saw this, I probably would have some of the same feelings you have. I think for me, I was so emotionally invested in the characters that by the time things, and I'll fully admit, the last. The last arc of the series, there are plot holes you could drive a giant zero two through. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I mean, that being said, it was one of those things where, you know, I think sometimes and it's funny. I remember like uh, Roger Ebert saying this, that he could he could he can forgive certain issues if he's either a emotionally invested in the story or B, if he's just completely wowed and sucked in by the visuals and the atmosphere. And for me, I think the show kind of falls into a cat in that category. It's it's a mess, 
but it's a beautiful mess and it's a mess I feel ownership of. So I, I feel a certain emotional attachment to it. Um, I'm not quite sure where it'll end up on my top 10. It's definitely going to be in the top five, but it might end up be, I might, what I may end up doing, this may be one of those years where I have a number one anime that did everything right. And this may be my 1.5. So, I, I mean, don't know. It, it's kind of one of those things. I'm going to have to revisit it once I get through the rest of this season. I mean, I'm planning a end-of-the-year podcast where uh, I might invite you. We'll, 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 I'm still working out the details as to what I'm going to do in it, but I'm definitely going to be putting out my top 10 anime for this year for seasonal anime. And I don't think – and I know for a fact two or three series out of this season are going to be on there, and Gridman is 100% one of them. Because I love it too much. Like, I like I showed it to all my friends, and we've made a joke out of a, and we've made a meme out of it. Like, or not a meme, but a like in joke out of it. And it's like not, it's not like it's a bad thing that we did that. We just found a thing. We pulled, we like two of them made a silly joke about it, and we just keep doing it now. And it's just like, and the fact that the internet, like the the internet's taking this by storm and like it doesn't matter who what walk of life you are from anime there's something in this show for you i think like like do you like good well-designed female characters that are waifu bait oh there are two in here for you oh do you like mecha anime in general oh this is the anime for you did you like watching old tokusatsu like power rangers ultraman common writer oh this is the anime for you did you do you like watching trigger anime oh this is the anime for you do you like just it's so hard for me to find an anime that this it's all the right notes yeah, that way yeah it just hits everything right and like every episode i find myself just like being more and more hyped for the next week's episode because i'm just like like they literally go in uh episode four they assemble all the guy all, all the all the backpacks and extra bits that the, you are supposed to put on the grid man to make him ultimate Gridman, and they're like, "Cool, let's go and form. Let's go and everybody combine on the Gridman to beat this kaiju," and they all try. And what happens is that the computer that Gridman's on is not powerful enough to run that, so they can't go all four of them plus Gridman and be ultra Fuck you, Windows Vista. Fuck it, you. Yeah, no, legit. It's so well done, and I was just like, when they did that, I, and they pause, and they're all just sitting in the air, frozen. I'm like. Oh, you fuckers. I want to see what full grid man looks like. When are we going to upgrade junk? You, you've done it once before. Just upgrade him. I want to see my big grid man. And I don't want to spoil you, spoil onto you any a lot about the villain. Because the villain's a really interesting twist. And I think that's why you'll like the villain. But the villain's so well done. And they're petulant. And they're me. Like, I 100% identify that me in normal life, I would be that villain. I don't like people. I would, if if I found a evil computer uh, program or computer being that named Alexis that would make giant kaiju to go do whatever petulant job I want them to do because somebody slighted me in the wrongest way, I'd totally do it. I don't like a lot of, I, like, it's very hard for me to find people that I will or for me to be in a social situation that I like people and I don't find somebody that I'm just like, could could you just like disappear for like the entirety of my existence, please? <laughs> and it does every ah, uh, like I like the I like the villain 
and me and a me and a friend are at odds about who the better female character is in this because I like one character because she's really well written, and he likes the other character because she's very well written. They both have very opposing character designs, and like that's what the main that's what the main uh, argument online is about these two is that they their character designs are what are what the arguments about because one's got massive thick thighs as the kids would say and the other one is got big boobs and is more as more like pudgy and thick i guess i guess we're gonna have to say thick no matter what because they're both thick but i'm gonna just have to say this Night, everybody yeah we're just gonna have to go with this because the kids are saying that as I am a twin, as we are both not in the age group that came up with T H I C C. I don't know where that even came from. All waifus are queens, Matt. Yeah, I know. Um, but talking about uh, talking about some uh, female characters, the girl in Twilight. Did you actually watch any of this? So this is one that I haven't had a chance to see yet. Um, I heard it's part of like an actual full-on like media franchise, though. Oh, I did not know that. All I know is that this fucking first episode was so trippy and weird, and I loved it. <laughs> yeah, apparently there's like a mobile game that's coming out oh. that ties in. Which okay, I'm, I'm inter- I, I kind of want to watch the pilot episode just to kind of see like because it's one of those ones that definitely sounded like. It's a multimedia platform, so it kind of sounds like one of those ones where you have to like be engaged in the anime and the game to really have a thought idea of I what's going on. I do not think that is how this series is going to work. So, for for me to set up this thing, I'll, I will spoil the first episode for you because even though I don't want to, I can't, we have to kind of talk about it. So, in the first episode, you have five friends that are all kind of doing this satanic weird ritual with their cell phones in this in this shrine and i'm just like okay cool it looks like it's just going to be a jokey thing and they're like cool oh man it didn't work again well we got to figure out what's going on and everything and they and they're just having this cute fun time and everything and all that stuff and then the main character figures out oh maybe this is the number sequence we're supposed to do so they go back and they have to do this uh do this exactly for uh 444 and in the afternoon and they do this ritual and then all of a sudden they appear in this weird crazy dimension with yellow bunny rabbit killer monster things and then an alternate reality version of main character comes in and destroys all these things and then we bring her back to the real world and it's weird (laughs) it's super weird i mean you know killer yellow bunny rabbits i suppose these things happen i'm i'm like i like weird things like this and it it caught me like i i i i fucking double took i i i double took it i was like wait what what's going on what is going on and i was like oh this is weird and cool and i like it but this is weird and cool like i i'm excited to see where this goes i think this is one that i'm gonna have to just binge though i don't think i can watch this weekly um yeah that's kind of I will, you know, it's funny. I remember like um, Digibro posting a video last year talking about how he doesn't watch anime week to week. He just binges it at the end of the season. And I I kind of understand why he does it because I will say that if I'm, it's different for me. Like if I'm really fascinated by the first episode of a show, if I'm hooked, then I'll watch it week to week. Um, last season, I did that with Happy Sugar Life, Banana Fish, Cells at Work. Yeah. Most of the time... Um, I'm more inclined to wait until the like the next to last episode or the last episode of the season and just binge the whole thing in one sitting. 
just because of my own schedule, because of my day job and everything, but also because I like being able to have that just constant flow if it's an ongoing story arc. So secret secret tech here. That's what I did with Planet With because uh, of some videos came out where everybody was like, go watch it now. It is Gurren Logan. I was like, no, it's not. You, you're wrong. And then I went, okay, fine. Click. I came out of I came out of the last episode. Watch it. It's Gurren Logan. <laughs> like it. It was something that had intrigued me from the beginning, and then by the end of it, I was like, yes, 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 yes. So um, that's one. And and this there's certain series where it's like it's not something you should watch weekly. I think it's this is something that you should watch all in one go. Uh, Girl in the Twilight, maybe one of those. I It feels like it's really weird to watch. Uh, speaking of really weird to watch, that time I got reincarnated as a slime. Because the first episode was fucking great. <laughs> I went into this show fully expecting, again... To hate ex- it? Fully expecting to not like it. Because, again, you know, I'm not a fan of the whole reincarnated in a fantasy world trope. I think it's been done to death. Um... But that being said, this first episode hooked me and really made me want to watch this show just because it just it's a very different take on the format. So this Overlord and uh, Tanya the Evil, all three do the reincarnated in another world, but do it in a very different setting, do it in a very different way. And don't just go, we're going to put a normal dude and give him godlike powers in there. We're going to do, they go, we're going to do something weird. Uh, Yojo Senki, or sorry, I called it Yojo Senki. Um, Tanya the Evil goes, we're going to take, we're not going to put her in a normal fantasy setting. We're going to put her into a fantastical World War One setting. Uh, Overlord goes, we're not going to put him into, we're going to put him into it. We're going to make him the D&D villain of a D&D campaign. And then uh, reincarnated slime goes. We're just gonna make him a slime, and he's not, and he's gonna be like, and he's gonna accidentally stumble into being super powerful. We're not making him super powerful. We're, he just stumbles into it. Like he go, he's he he awakens in the cave, meets the storm dragon, and then the storm dragon names him, which gives him his godlike powers. Because he just stumbled into there, made friends with a made friends with an ancient dragon, and the dragon went cool. You get a name now, and it's crazy. It's fun. I love the series. Like it, and the the first episode just making a joke of his real life, where he's like he he's a he's a shit person, and he's like he's like a four, he's almost a forty year old virgin. He's gotten he's never had a girlfriend. None, none of this stuff. He gets stabbed saving his uh friend and his friend's girlfriend from a dude that randomly comes running out at them with a knife. And his final words, take my hard drive and dump it in the ocean. <laughs> Do that not was the fucking best part. Of and that then episode. at the end of the episode, his buddy from work is literally taking his computer and tosses it into the fucking bathtub. See, and that is a real bro. That's that's real friendship. Like, like fucking there. Holy crap. <laughs> it was it's like I wasn't I wasn't expecting them to ever call back on that. And then they do. And I'm like, oh, that's great. This, this the writing in here is super well done. The characters are very well uh, well done so far. Um, I can't wait for us to finally get to the Onis. Like when we finally get there, 
I'm going to be super excited to see all of them because they all look really cool and interesting. Um, ah, it's so well done. So good. Man, why couldn't Sword Art Online be this? Right. <laughs> so, following this with a weird one. Uh, Ulysses Jean d'Arc and the Alchemist Knight is, I think, the English title of this on Crunchyroll. I saw some ads for this, and it looked interesting. Um, I still haven't had a chance to watch the pilot episode, but, I mean, I'm a huge Joan of Arc fan, like, in his, just from history. So, and, and admittedly, she's one of those characters that pops up in anime on a fairly regular basis. But I'm always interested in watching different interpretations of her. So this is weird. Okay, so the first episode, you never see Jean d'Arc. The first episode is based around the alchemist knight who is, uh, oh, what's his name? Monta, I can't remember his name. It's, it's a weird French name. They're all weird French names. because And some of them are actual people because it's set during the 100-year war. Because, of course, it is Jean d'Arc. Um, so in this, he is a noble, but he does not want to be in a, he's not like, he does not, he's not, he's more of a scholar and not like a knight, which at that time, you, if you're a noble, you were expected to be a knight and go to war in the hundred year war. Um, and his, one of his friends who is part of a noble is, is a noble knight and everything goes out and she gets, uh, kidnapped and everything. And, uh, uh, at the end of a battle at the end of a battle and he and he goes i've got to save her so he starts going heavy into alchemy and he finds uh he he somehow meets a discovers a fairy who is the queen of the fairies astaroth and she tells him how to make the elixir of life because or because if he makes the elixir of life and and ingests the philosopher's stone that he has he will become immortal and be able to do god like things so he spends seven years not knowing he spends seven years but he spends seven years working trying to perfect the the uh elixir of life and still doesn't do it like it literally just goes he starts working on the elixir of life and then it just flashes and we and he it shows him failing and he's like god damn it and then he's like huh and he's like he's in child clothes but he's an adult now like, he was in middle school when this started, and now he's, like, an adult. And he didn't realize that he had been sitting there working on this for seven years. An interesting time jump. <laughs> yeah, it's weird. Like, it, it caught me, and I was like, okay, cool. And then the second episode's where we meet Jean. Is it was, it was it played for laughs, or was it played deadly serious? Like, I don't know. It was just, it was not, it didn't feel like it was a joke. I was just like, okay, cool. Like, I, I was more intrigued by, okay, so he just didn't notice that seven years had gone by and like it's weird like it's a weird thing that just i found it really cool so so needless to say he he realizes that seven years has passed and he goes out and he tries finding other places that that are a little bit more uh, alchem alchemically good to uh test out the thing or to try to make it and that's where he runs into jean who he runs into her at a uh fairy site and so he goes there and he starts trying to make it and then something fucks up and it blows up in his face. And he's like, ah, oh, fuck. And then he starts like kind of drooling weird, weird liquid. And he's become a uh, fountain to make the elixir of life. Huh. And he's like, well, cool. Seeing as I can do this, I can now take the philosopher's stone. And uh, 
Astaroth's like, no, because you're now overfill. Your body produces it on a regular basis. You can't ingest it now, because if you do, you will literally over uh, overpower it and you will die. And he's like, well, how do I do this then? Well, you've got to find somebody else to ingest it, and then you give them the elixir of life to activate it. And he's like, huh. So, needless to say, by the end of the by the end of the episode, that's Jean. And when Jean takes it in, she becomes a very sadistic person. And uh, it's done through him kissing her, and she's like twelve. It's a it, that's that's the weird part. Yeah, that's it, a bit weird. It's 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 not play. It's not played like that's a romantic thing. It's just played like that's a necessary thing because that's the only way he can deliver the elixir that he right. produces to her, and it's. It's just an interesting thing. Um, I, I like the whole concept of a knight that uses alchemy primarily. Yeah. I, I find that very interesting. So I think it's I think it's definitely one that I that I think would be worth checking out. It's it's weird. I like it, but it's it's not as weird as what we're about to talk about. <laughs> so Zombieland Saga, Mappa, you sons of bitches. <laughs> So this thing, up until its first episode came out, only had one poster. It just showed a bunch of characters and a zombie dog. And I was like, oh, it's some kind of zombie Moe show. This seems cool enough. And it's by Mappa, who did uh, Yuri on Ice. There, what, what, what weird thing is this? Oh, it's by Psygames. Or Psygames is producing it. That's a weird call, but they, they did uh, a Rage of Bahamut anime, and that's really good see what this is i was not expecting this to be a zombie idol anime. <laughs> this this anime this it, anime is fucking great <laughs> i i need its home release to come out because that's where i'll get all the songs dubbed because uh funimation is doing a simul dub but because it's hard to dub music on a simul dub uh basis they they're just having them it's just the japanese audio for the music sections i think that kind of makes sense to be honest but they are but they have literally hired every one of the known singing voice actresses to play each of the characters that's awesome and i think the main characters and i think i, I called the main character and i think kotaro the producer also can sing for his english voice that's awesome so i think they are they have doubled down and prepared for literally any character in the main cast to sing and I am super excited. I can't wait to watch this in English dub just to hear the rap battle that happens in episode two. <laughs> this, um, this show just, I mean, like, so if you're coming into this completely cold, I mean, you know, the, the first episode starts with, like, your kind of classic tropey show opening of, like, you know, yeah. hi, I'm a normal high school girl getting ready to go to school and have the rest of my boom hit by a bus. Hit by a bus, wakes up in dark broken down house with a bunch of zombies around her now and runs out into the rain and then gets shot by a police officer because she's a zombie also and all of the girls are zombies and the best one is by far the blonde one you're gonna be shocked i actually agree with you 100 percent. damn it i was expecting him to say you gary we never we never <laughs> share just so you guys know 
It's Matt and rare. I never share the same wife. It's rare. It's very rare occurrence that this happens where I'm like, where I'm like, this character is the best, and then he'll be like, no, nah, you're wrong. She's a zombie gang member. What's not to love? Oh no, I love her because of how fucking assholey she is, and she gets a smug face that is better than any smug face I've ever watched. She does have excellent smug anime girl face. Um, all the characters are super great. I can't wait to get more into depth of everybody that isn't the blonde one because she's gotten a lot of screen time so far, but she's fucking amazing. Now, the main character is a total cinnamon roll, and she's great, but I also have a soft spot for the girl. That's There's there's one girl who hasn't quite woken up yet out of being a zombie. <laughs> no, uh, that's most of her that's time. That's all she's going to do. Spends most of her time chewing her own she's hair, the legendary, trying to eat people. She's the legendary Yamadate. She is never not going to be a zombie. Yes. She is she is brainless. I think she might have actually lost function in her brain when she died. Because uh, a thing that I've noticed with a lot of the characters is they kind of have little extra bits that kind of show a little bit of how they died. So, like, main character, she got hit by a truck. She's got this big scar in her head, and that's why she has amnesia. Um, we have the girl from the Meiji... Meiji era, I think, is where she's she always, is. She's always smoking on an opium pipe. Yeah, but she's got this scar all around her neck. Wonder what happened to the courtesan in the Meiji era that gives her a scar around her neck. Good question. Uh, there. Uh, Ty looks like she might have been drowned because she just has like a sunken eyes expression around her and everything like that. Uh, I can't tell some of them, but there. Uh, uh, the Lily. Her heart is literally coming out of her chest so i imagine she had a major chest wound when she died yeah it's interesting and i almost wonder if they're going to eventually oh bring this stuff up and I'm, I'm guessing that they might i'm interested to see how they play it if they try to play it for laughs or if they try to play it for you're caught up from right an emotional standpoint um i'm not completely caught up yet I'm, oh. I'm only through the first three episodes and i will say this the third episode kind of gave me a little bit of a false alarm because at one point in the episode there's a scene where they're performing and the characters are done entirely in CGI. And I kind of had this mental panic where I was like, please, for the love of Christ, tell me that not every episode is going to be like this when they perform. And then I kind of realized the more I looked at it, I was like, they look like Vocaloid characters. And I realized that what they were actually doing was a parody of that. That's that's and, why Psy Games is here. And, that, and it's funny because it's like... You know, you had that, and then in the second episode, you had the rap battle. In the first episode, you had kind of like a baby metal parody. It, it's just, it, it's just, the fact that they're going into multiple genres and just kind of taking the piss out of all of them is fucking great. It's brilliant. So the fifth episode has literally started setting up a plot because there's a there's a reporter that uh, saw characters and went, that person looks familiar. And I went, oh shit, no, oh god. <laughs> They're all dead. That's why they don't get to refer to each other by their names when they're in public. Because they're all dead people. Oh boy. I can't wait for I can't wait to see where this goes. This is definitely gonna be a top five one for me this year. I mean, I would say right now, if I had to pick, and then keep in mind there's still certain shows that I haven't seen enough of to really pass judgment on. I would say my top three of the year so far, it's a kind of a three way dance between Zombieland Saga, Darling and the Franks, and Megalobox. It's really hard. Like, it's really hard for me to choose. Like, I've watched so much, and I thought I knew where my top was going to be at the beginning of this year, and I'm going to have to sit down and really work on this for the end of the year when I want to do that uh, end of the year cast, um, because I really have to figure out 
did does this stand up does this stand up to its competitor to the other ones because i think every season this season or this year has had six anime that i liked and like that's weird because last last year didn't feel like that yeah last year it was interesting because the first so i've been doing top 10 lists on social media usually through like my tumblr or my instagram page yeah for about the last five years running and the first year i just did a top 10 the next two years, I did a top 10, and then I did five honorable mentions. Last year, I just did a top 10 because, honestly, basically, that's what I had that I really liked. There was maybe one or two more that I could have mentioned. This year, there's been so much quality anime that, honestly, I think after this year, what I'm probably going to do starting next season in 2019 is instead of doing a top 10 for the year, I'm going to do a top five per quarter. So that way, like at the every three months, basically, I'll put out a top five list. So, hey, these are my five favorite shows. Yeah. And I mean, uh, that that's also kind of one of the things we can do with this podcast, too, is we just talk about what we finished throughout throughout the things. Because I don't think I'm going to finish all of these by uh, spring of next year, which will be January. But yeah. I definitely w- w- definitely when we try to do this in spring, because we'll try to do this quarterly, uh, we'll definitely talk about what we did finish and what we didn't. And it'll probably be a lot less than what we just than than what we just talked about. Yeah, this was kind of making up for lost time, just because we were talking about last season, this core. Oh, I I mean, um, I think we're always going to talk about what we finished out from the last season and what we're doing this and we're we're doing in the new season. Right on. Well, I'm really excited. I'm really excited about it. I'm definitely looking forward to doing this again. It's been a lot of fun. So, uh, Patrick, what uh, what is your social media things like your Twitter, your uh, and stuff like that for people that might want to hear your opinions on stuff well uh you can find me on instagram at at pulsar smash that's p-u-l-s-a-r-s-m-a-s-h pulsar smash i'm also on tumblr at pulsar smash.tumblr.com and uh yeah those are my two main spots for uh discussing anime so and for me uh if you if this is your first time if this is your first thing listening to us or listening to from the nrd uh works channel uh we also do a podcast called 26 and Under where we, in a week, watch watch a random anime off of a giant list of like 700 plus anime. Uh, and we uh, watch that within a week and then we review it uh, with, me and th- with, with me and either one, two, three other co-hosts depending on schedules. Um, we, uh, let's see here, this week... Uh, I'm trying to remember because we record them in advance, so I'm trying to remember which one is coming out this week. Uh, or, or well, oh yeah, this week's actually going to be a double release because we kind of had some editing issues come up and everything. So we will have two episodes coming out this week with this. Um, they will be uh, Waiting in the Summer and uh, Laughing Under the Clouds. Which are both, re- which were both, re- uh, one was a really good anime. The other one was an anime that shat the bed near the end, and it kind of, it was kind of sad. Um, but please go go listen to those. And also, I stream on Twitch at Spell N R D. That is S P L N R S P E L L N R D. Um, I stream. Uh, right now, I'm mainly streaming the new Call of Cthulhu game because. I was super hyped for this and I wanted to play it. Um, I also stream Hollow Knight till I finish it and we'll figure out from there. I know Darksiders 3 is coming out in a short while. 
end of end of end of November. So that might also be going up soon. Uh, if I find the spare time, I might stream Deltarune because that was really fun to play, and I kind of want to show it off to Henry. Um, but other than that, I think that's it for this seasonal podcast. Uh, we will see you sometime in January or February. Hopefully not after as many delays as it took for this one, but that was personal. That was a bunch of personal stuff that came up. But uh, this has been Matt. This has been Patrick. Signing off. Thank you for listening. Bye. <laughs>